When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this Wednesday afternoon, I had to check what day of the week it was, Patrick, which might show you the last few days have been a wee bit hectic. This Wednesday afternoon, I am delighted to be joined by Patrick McGilp and John Hughes. There is only one story to talk about and we will be uh, delving into what has been going on over the last wee while between the Green Brigade and the club, um, what it, it has resulted in over the last 24 hours, and where do we go from here? I, I just uh, assumed you meant my holiday in Paris, Paul John. That's, I, I thought that's, <laughs> we were going to be discussing that in detail. Listen, John, I think it would be a glorious topic to, <laughs> to cover, um, as would, obviously, uh, what I've been up to in the last few days. People are sick hearing me talking about Martin O'Neill, so I'm going to move my, 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 my focus on to Pierre Van Hooydonk, George Cadet, and John uh, You've had an amazing <laughs> few days, man. That is, uh, what an amazing uh, couple of events you've had. That's well, incredible. you know this? I'm sitting there last night, John, right? Please indulge me in the comment section. I know you might be sick of hearing this, but I like sharing stories that Celtic figures, players, those in and around the club tell you so that, you know, we can just be aware of what's going on. Um, and... What we did do, which we haven't done previously, is we organised for the guests to come into the venue a little bit earlier. We got them sat down. Uh, our videographer, Sean, a uh, big shout out to Sean, who, who films the Wonder Around Paradise and who's also done the Fran Alonso and the Willie Hockey videos recently. He came in early and we recorded an interview, a sit-down interview, Jerry Taylor and I, interviewing Pierre Van Hooydonk, George Cadet and John Collins for the channel. So we're just working on the, the edit for that just now. Um, but there was a moment last night, John, just like you say, I'm sitting there and Pierre Van Hooydonk is doing an impression of Hugh Keevans. 
in a, a mobbed bar in Glasgow. There was like 250 folk in this bar. And he's sitting there doing a brilliant impression, obviously with a Dutch kind of uh, slant to the accent, um, of Hugh Kevens. And I thought to myself, how did I get here? Exactly, Patrick. How did this all happen? And then, then George Cadet tells us the story, right, that he's gone up to Lennox Town. He's been invited up there by Brendan Rogers, And up he's gone, and he's chapped on Brendan Rogers' office door. And Rogers has opened the door and started singing the George Cadet song to him. He serenaded him into the office singing... There's only one George Cadetti. <laughs> Superb. It was a great night. Thanks, everybody, for coming along. And I'll tell you this, I, I won't labour this. There's big, big topics to discuss. But see, when we do these things and you actually meet people who tune into the show, they tell you they enjoy it, they're fans of Axom, it means absolute world to me. So thanks, everybody, for your support. We, we raised another £600 for wee Jamie Tierney last night uh, by auctioning off two canvases that Jim Crockwell gave us and that money uh, will make a massive difference to Jamie and his family. So thank you all for that. Patrick McGilp, the action has been taken against the Green Brigade. What is your reaction to that? Well, it's all sort of there's a big ex- explosion yesterday when the news came out, wasn't there? Um, you know, when you read through the statement there's, and you sort of dissect it and you take it sort of action for action, it's hard to to fully take yourself to one side of another. You know, if, if people are abusing staff or stewards or they're, they're being violent in football grounds, you know, I don't think you should be punishing a collective group for that. I think you should punish the individual if you're able to identify the individual. I don't have any problem with, you know, indefinite suspensions for people who are abusive or violent. But when it comes to, you know, the displays, um, the showing of solidarity with Palestine, um, it's, it's very disappointing when you see the club take those positions. And, you know, I, I've no doubt it's for financial reasons, commercial reasons, um, you know, UEFA fines and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it is still very, very disappointing. Um, I, I think the fines are worth it, to be honest, Paul. Um, you know, I think it's worth taking £10,000 fine, £15,000 fine to show our solidarity. You know, we have a club that's expected to turn over over £100 million this year. Um, but I think it's important to showcase our roots on you know, the biggest stage when we get millions of viewers. And when you add up all the fines over years and years and years, it doesn't even touch the sides of Barcas and Ayeti, five million each, money that we've wasted ourselves. Um, so I think the displays are well worth it. When it comes to individual acts of violence or um, abuse, you know, I wasn't there. I don't know if that happened. If it did happen, I think you should be punishing the individual, not the group as a whole, because I think the group brings a lot more good than it does bad to Celtic Park. Listen, when I read through the statement, Patrick, I was surprised, and maybe I should have known this, I didn't know, for example, that there was like this code of conduct for that area of the ground that uh, had been agreed upon. Um, and when you look at some of the, the wording of that, um, I agree with you, anybody who individually behaves in a certain way uh, which is against ground regulations or against the law, for example, then, yeah, deal with them. doesn't matter who they are or what football stadium they're in or what football team they support, you've got to deal with that. But, yeah, just to uh, clarify that, you know, when you're looking at the, the ground regulations, I think everybody appreciates that there are such a thing. Uh, the real seating code of conduct, John, I wasn't aware of the real seating code of conduct. And within that, I think they've probably uh, wrapped it all up um, to allow 
the removal of the collective season tickets, like what Patrick says, because if one person misbehaves and they come along to you, John, and say, right, I'm taking your ticket because Patrick has been storming the gates, it doesn't seem fair to me. Um, however, they've obviously got this real seat in Cody Connor. I must admit, I was not aware of that until I was reading through the statement yesterday. But again, as, as Patrick quite rightly points out, there were six points that were detailed as to the reasons why this has been done, two of which were in relation to unauthorised displays against Kilmarnock and Atletico Madrid. I don't agree with those two. The other four is a type of behaviour, as I say, that's unacceptable by any individual in any football ground or any walk of life. Yeah, punish the individuals. But when it comes to the flag displays, I think that's where the real deb debate is. I mean, I've seen a picture online about... Um, was it a year ago when we are playing St Mirren and there was this big protest before the game by the players talking about peace between Russia and Ukraine. So at what point, John, do you look at the hypocrisy of it and say, well, you know, we are backing um, an oppressed people's fight against um, 75 years of terror, yet the Green Brigade have been lumped in with that as well. That's two of the six points that the club um, have outlined. What's your thoughts on it? Well, if anyone follows my Twitter, they'll know I've been going on about this relentlessly, um, especially the political situation, which to me is, is fairly clear. I think most right-minded people feel the same way, no matter what you think kicked it off on this occasion, which is highly disputable. Uh, then, again, uh, you know, what we're seeing now is basically a genocide. So uh, are we going to stand with and oppress people? Well, I would certainly hope so. Uh, are the board warranted in doing what they're doing? Uh, if I believed uh, what their statement said, then yeah, sure. Uh, it's just, it's very, very coincidental, isn't it? Just really coincidental. All this has just all happened now and all been pointed out at the same time and all suddenly become unacceptable just at the point where we're uh, cracking out the Palestinian flags and poppy days round the corner. I mean, do me a favour. In this era, you know, era of misdirection and misinformation, you know, we're expected to swallow that this is just because of these incidents, which has only now become uh, unsustainable. Don't believe it. Don't believe a word of it. Uh, I suspect there was a few people got in their ears. Uh, you know, the 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 banner probably on October the seventh, which was. Not, not the best judged, to be fair, although you can dispute what it actually means in terms of uh, the resistance. But anyway, so uh, regardless, not the best judged. Uh, and I imagine there's a, a few people got in their ears after that. Uh, you know, but in terms of being on the right side of history, I, I know which side that I'm on. Uh, and uh, in terms of, you know, any most uh, uh, clubs have ultra groups and the ones that don't have ultra groups want ultra groups. You would love to have fans with that amount of passion who spend endless hours doing those displays and so on uh, to entertain the rest of us. Uh, frankly, I don't know where they get the time uh, or the talent. But most clubs also would engage with those groups mm -hmm. because uh, what it said, what it basically said uh, in the article, and I think it was the Herald, or Paddy or someone, put in the group, it's basically said until the, uh, we get uh, an apology and uh, essentially on bended knee for these indiscretions uh, there, there shall be no more they, they, they see the club have never engaged with them, they've only told them you know, they've told them this they've told them that and telling's not selling that's not engagement 
That's not the way that these groups work in places like Italy and all the rest of it. They usually are fairly well embedded. And the club are able to keep a check on their behaviour because they have responsible people, um, you know, essentially engaging with the club. So, I mean, if you're just going to let a group of supporters identify themselves there, hope they do a job for you, but don't engage with them in any way. Uh, I mean, to me, it's just, you know, it smacks of do what you're tell. Shut it. Do what you're tell. Um, And that's you tell by the board. Get back in your box, you bunch of wee neds. That's basically what they're saying, right? So... You know, to, to me, uh, that that's unacceptable. Uh, uh, the, the the board are, are uh, completely on the wrong side of this. Um, now, if those incidents have happened, as they detail them, and mm. they have been, you know, breaking into the stadium apparently, according yeah. to them, and then abusing members and stuff, that's very very serious stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, but why have why were they not engaged at the time? You know, why was this not said? Get out first of all. Uh, and or you're never getting back in again. And whoever said that, because I'm pretty sure there's, there's CCTV all around that stadium, those individuals, identified individuals that have been abusive to members of staff, Cindy, you know, getting yeah. them banned for life, mm-hmm. you know, not accepting any of that. So, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's just the notion that this is just coming up just now in the middle of these protests uh, is, to me, it's just not believable. I'm sorry. Uh, and um, I believe that the Green Brigade have a very important role to play. Maybe they've got above themselves, but maybe that's because there hasn't been a chain of command established uh, and they've been allowed, uh, you know, nobody's been taking responsibility. Uh, but, you know, so somebody has to be creating that atmosphere. And for everyone to say, oh, there was an atmosphere, you know, before the Green Brigade, I it wasn't a good one. That's why they were formed. You know, that, that's essentially why they came into being. So... They do a great job uh, at what they do. Uh, one of the things I, I think I wrote yesterday was, you know, have they done uh, something offensive? Have they been offensive? Well, that depends who you are. Yes. Right? And the other thing mm-hmm. is, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. I know in this era of bloggers and people making complaints and, you know, the perma-rage outrage, um, you know, everyone thinks they've got equal say, and oh, just because you've got your knickers in a twist does not mean that you are correct, nor does it mean that you get to impose your will on other people. So people can go to the game and support as they like. The Green Brigade have uh, done that. They've done a fantastic job. If they've been out of line, they should be smacked down, but they should be done so uh, not in a way that's just telling your children off. Uh, there should be engagement from the club to treat these people as adults. You know, uh, I, I just don't, um, I, to, to me, it just doesn't smack, it doesn't ring true at all that this is the chosen time to start banning the Green Brigade for supposed infractions of discipline or, you know, uh, rules. I just don't believe it. Well, John, I follow you on Twitter. I, I really do uh, enjoy your output on there. Uh, and I think also that um, it's quite clear that you're cut from the same cloth as myself when it comes to uh, actions and statements. You look behind the curtain a wee bit, don't you? You try to read between the lines and say, well, what is the real motivation between the timing of this um, and the motivation behind the political aspect of it? They've listed six different reasons here. This is the uh, pending further review and communication, they say. So um, they are saying there's going to be communication. Communication with whom? 
uh, you would ask the question. I've seen that the Green Brigade have made a, well, they have put out communication on their own social media pages to say, listen, no one is going to be discussing this from the Green Brigade. We will communicate from our official channels. And I think what that does is that if anybody um, says that they are representing the group and they're maybe on a mainstream channel, um, you can say, well, actually, the Green Brigade have said they won't, they won't comment on mainstream British media. Um, so here, here are the lists. Just for anyone who's not seen um, the statement or read many of the blogs who have uh, ran through this list, unsafe use of pyrotechnics, unsafe behaviour at Fur Park, and they go into more detail as to what the unsafe behaviour was, illegally gaining access, which John touched on, illegally gaining access to... How on earth can you do that? That was before the Lazio game. How can you illegally gain access to the stadium? I do not know. Unauthorised display versus Kelly. Unauthorised display versus Atletico Madrid. Unsafe behaviour at Easter Road. Now, I want to hear some of the comments because it is a divisive subject, and we all know that. And even within the, the contributors at, at Axon, there is going to be differing views. Um, first of all, Paddy, uh, Paddy Lavery comes in. Afternoon all. We should be talking about the game tonight, not the Green Brigade. We will definitely talk about the game. Um, the Green Brigade aspect of this discussion is undoubtedly the biggest story in, in the world of Celtic right now. We're, that's why we've kicked off with it. But we will get to the game in just a few moments as well. Uh, because I think there's real uh, far-reaching consequences of what's happened in the last couple of days. And that's why I think it's a really important thing to discuss. Uh, Lisbon Lion, Lisbon Lion, Jungle Lion, uh, you won't mind me calling you that, need both parties to get their heads together. Just what John was saying and sort the shenanigans out, it's the team that suffers. Well, that's what Paddy's just said. We should be talking about football. There's a game tonight. You're right. And we're talking about um, other aspects of the club. Joe Hamilton, this will end, but it won't end well. Um, yeah, you do get the sense that there is a, a tapering off of the communication and you wonder what's going to happen for the future of that group. Double denim. Uh, always by, by the me. Sorry, Paul John. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, if you think there is not uh, resentment still on the boardroom from the season that we lost to 10, right? And you think that likes of Peter Lowell does not harbour extreme resentment uh, towards these guys, um, you know, you would be sorely mistaken. Um, in my view, uh, they've been waiting to get them in the long grass for quite some time. Mm. 
Yeah, you know, and what you were saying there earlier, John, about the timing of it um, as well. Afternoon all, sad situation with the board and the Green Brigade at loggerheads. Genuine safety concerns shouldn't be understated. Yep, I agree with that. As we do have a responsibility to behave, but I'm cynical over the timing and the reasons. So I, I'm finding a really good balance uh, for and against. But you know what? We're going to have to bring up both sides of the argument. Aero 250, well done Celtic, you say. You've been a long-time contributor on this show, Aero 250. Um, good to see you back. An entitled group of brats um, that are happy to cause the club controversy and repeat fines. They also love a statement. Now they might take the club seriously. Someone's going to clip that and say that was my statement and put it out without the context, <laughs> aren't they? Um, no, we need to get both sides of the argument. I think it's really, really important that we do that. And Joe Hamilton, um, we have cowards at the top, hypocrites and Keith Oakton, just to brighten it up a bit. Hello all from a very stormy Plymouth. I remember when it was sunny down there, Keith. Where did the, the, the sun go? <laughs> uh, David Boyle, the Green Brigade, need to remove... Listen, I think this is a very, very good point from David. They need to remove the safety issues, the flares, etc., right? Then the issue can only be about UEFA trying to censor the fans. Then they will get the majority of fan support. Yeah, David, I think that's a fantastic point, and it's what Patrick opened up with. We were talking about, right, there's six points here, so it's a, an accumulation. It's like, uh, you know, when a player consistently fouls and you eventually get them because they've been doing it all game. But you remove the other four aspects from that list and you get punished just because there's a, a political um, ideology in amongst a group of people, then it does become censorship, doesn't it, Patrick? It does, it does, and you know that was a very good point because I'm pretty sure in the past concerns have been raised about you know people running on the pitch. I, I'm not a fan of people running on the pitch. Obviously, in the heat of the moment, you're celebrating, but the amount of times it's happening is increasing. The amount of people that are doing it is increasing. It's obviously a safety issue, and then when it comes to um, you know smoke bombs and pyrotechnics. You do have on the right hand, to the right of the Green Brigade, a line of, um, it's a disability section right along the front next to the pitch, which I think has been raised with the club before. So I think these are very fair concerns. And, you know, you've got to question how much of an atmosphere do pyrotechnics bring, bring to the game. I think, you know, we have, we create a good enough atmosphere with flags and singing and drums. Um, you know, it, it does look good in a photo, but I mean, if, if there's people, you know, right next to the Green Brigade who are going to be suffering because of this, then I think you've got to bring it into question. And as, you know, uh, the comment there said, they would be winning the popular, the sort of the popular vote, they'd be winning the, the sort of publicity battle. Um, because if it's just UEFA fines due to politics and football, uh, I think they'd have pretty much all a Celtic Park behind them um, in flying the Palestine flag. Um, but... You know, I think there does need to be communication, as you've both said, that um, it, it can't really go on. It seems to happen every every year or two. You know, um, there's some sort of contentious issue. The board ban a couple of fans and we go around in this cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you read off the points there. I, I, I'm sort of coming to the mind of John here. I find it very hard to believe that they broke into the stadium. I mean, if they... Um, there was obviously people in the stadium to set up that Lazio Tifo. But this is a this is a stadium where, you know, the day before the game they were having press conferences. It's you know, it's crawling with UEFA officials. How can that possibly happen? You know, we've got to be asking questions of our security team if people can break into the stadium on the day of or the day before a UEFA Champions League match. 
you know, and as John said, there's CCTV there's CCTV there, so yeah. they can definitely punish the individual. And another thing I, I thought about, right, before a camera switched on, um, you can see the display. So yeah. that could have been swept before, you know, before the damage is done that they that they think it's damaged. Before the damage is done, they could have swept it, and then it, you know, and then it doesn't exist because it's your stadium. So if people have come in to your back garden, right, and stuck a Union Jack on the fence, you don't leave it there, do you? You go and remove it. So, <laughs> you know, if, if, if there's something there you don't want to see, you remove it. Um, I'm not comparing the Union Jack to the Palestine flag for anyone wondering. Um, <laughs> Mr Celtic 12, thank you for supporting the channel. Uh, you have to question if Celtic is going backwards. Um, an accumulation of different points being raised here. Recruitment, recycling manager, um, one sort of goal losing our values. Sorry, did I read that right? Recycling manager, once other goal losing our values, banning fans for having a voice. <laughs> R- listen, there's there's a few things at the moment, isn't there, that we're unhappy with. We've been speaking about the recruitment um, and also the Green Brigade uh, have opened up with the first 20-odd minutes of this particular show. It is the biggest topic. We need to speak about it because there's going to be uh, far-reaching consequences regardless of what the outcome is. Um, I'm going to ask the question. Let me know in the comment section, you know, if the Green Brigade didn't return to Celtic Park, you know what what does that leave us with? Yeah, phenomenal home support, no doubt about it. But in terms of what they bring, the positive aspects of what the Green Brigade brings, you know, I just read out last week their their uh, food bank drive to the point where it was you're talking thousands, tens of thousands of pounds raised, seven vans full of food to help the underprivileged. You know, kids going to school on an empty belly, with their belly rumbling because their mum and dad can't feed them. And the Green Brigade are, are pushing that. And they're always, you know, there's always a massive response to it. Never forget that. Never forget the atmosphere that they bring to the ground because, as John says, there's a reason they exist, John. You know, well, that it, sometimes at Celtic Park, it was like a morgue prior to the, the fan groups. Very much as with the actual Palestinian conflict, uh, the 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 way to solve any conflict is with dialogue, and where dialogue does not exist, conflict will remain. Uh, and if there's no dialogue, uh, there's no certainly no dialogue in, the, uh, uh, in Israel at the moment. But if there's no dialogue here between the, um, the board uh, and the Green Brigade, then this situation will not be resolved. There'll be another couple of incidents. They'll probably be permanently disbanded. Um, and uh, the, the the fans will lose out for that in terms of the atmosphere uh, and reputation for having you know the great atmosphere that we do. Uh, and uh, the, the the board will lose out for that because there'll be a load of fans absolutely raging at them as if they didn't already resent them enough. Um, so the, the, it's a no-win situation here, and all it takes is for people just to be grown ups, get in a room, sit down, have a chat, sort things out, make sure that rules are in place. Um, because the bottom line is, uh, yes, they are a valuable fan group, but nobody's alone to themselves. And whether that's the board trying to crush dissent, or whether that's the Green Brigade trying to act above their station, nobody's alone to themselves here, right? So these things will be resolved um, by sitting down and uh, having a, a talk about it and talking it through um, and resolving these issues one way or another. And if they can't be resolved, then that's fine. But, you know, to, to be basically everyone at the moment is just taking a high hand. They're all in the huff. 
They're all, uh, you know, writing diktats and statements, you know. And that's grand. That's super, but that solves nothing, achieves nothing. So uh, just, you know, let's wind the necks in, uh, get around the table, have a chat, and we carry on uh, as one uh, Celtic community. Um, and hopefully um, that can be uh, that can be done, um, you know, because at least we have control of that. There are certain other things in the world uh, which we have no control over and we're forced to watch um, timelines full of uh, corpses uh, when you're on your social media uh, nowadays, uh, which is quite damaging, uh, you know, to our mental health and God knows what it's like for the people that are there. Um, so I, I just, let's take control of the things that we can take control of, which is this situation, uh, and let's get it resolved like adults. Here, here. Great. Well said, John. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to continue to bring the, the thoughts of the viewers into the show, even when we move on to the football, uh, because it is a, a very divisive subject. And I want to get both sides of the, the argument, if you like, Jungle Line. North Curve Green Brigade has about 3,000 in that section. This goes back to what Paddy was saying. Why ban them all? If it's only 100 or so that's messing about. Um, you know, the, the, the ultra movement, in British football, for me, is a positive thing. It's very positive. And what happened when it, it started coming to the fore, obviously it was something that, you know, I think Germany um, was really well known for the ultra movement, as was Italy, uh, Italian football. And then it started coming to, to Scottish and British shores. And it's not um, every club, Patrick, like you were saying before, that relies on a few flares and a drum and a few songs, and a wee bit of colour, and a wee group that might call themselves the Falkirk Fear, or something like that. That's a real thing, by the way, uh, the Falkirk Fear. Um, but then Celtic are, are always going to do it differently in my, my mind, and I know some of the commenters are saying, listen, let's ditch the political talk. This is football. Celtic's more than a football club. Clichés aside, it is. It's as simple as that. There are political discussions to be had about this football club since prior to its formation. Um, you know, the very genesis of Celtic. So there's always going to be that discussion. And to be honest with you, that edge, because with it brings an edge, doesn't it, Patrick? So when you've got an ultra group, you've got all that, the, the, the colour that they bring to the game and the sound and the atmosphere and the TIFOs and all that, great. But there's always going to be an edge if it's a Celtic ultra group. Of course there is. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, you know, it's it's all well and good saying keep politics out of football, but, you know, you, you just can't do it with Celtic. It's just not possible. Um, you know, there's there's too many things that have happened to um, the Irish community in Scotland and across the world. And, um, you know, from the, the SFA trying to stop us flying the Irish flag, um, you know, what, 90, 80, 90 years ago to, you know, causes like this, Palestine. And as you said earlier on the show, we welcomed um, Ukrainian refugees um, to watch us play uh, Shakhtar in the Champions League just over a year ago. Um, you know, there, there are probably countless uh, instances that just aren't coming to mind at the moment, but you can't separate politics from Celtic, uh, not in a million years, um, especially with the Irish connection. Um, just on that last comment, it's not the entire standing section that's been closed, it's just the Green Brigade. So it's people who have affiliated with the Green Brigade. So it's still going to be, say, two and a half, two point seven thousand in that standing section tonight, hopefully. Um, but no, I mean, I'm sure English Premier League clubs would love to have an ultra section. Maybe not quite as enthusiastic as the Green Brigade, obviously with the flair issue and the politics, but politics comes hand in hand with Celtic. And, um, you know, I'll say it again, I think they're 
are much they they bring a lot more to the club the club than you know the, the bad that they do. As you say, the food drives, um, the causes they support, the what they do in the community. It's it's fantastic, and you know Celtic are quite keen to sell canvases in the shop of displays that the Green Brigade have raised funds for and put on. Um, you know, so they're quite happy to profit from it when it looks good. But um, no, I think I think as John says, there needs to be a dialogue because I think this relationship has to be mended and has to continue because I think that's what's best for the club. I agree with that. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments. You know, our word is not gospel and uh, we are definitely willing to take opposing views on this one. Um, but yes, I think that uh, talking about the flying of the flag, it's a, it's some, it's a subject that I really uh, love researching, Patrick, you know, when, when Celtic not once um, have been told, ordered not to fly the uh, flag of Ireland, the tricolour. And obviously the, the famous one was uh, Robert Kelly, who stood up to them. Um, but it happened again. Desmond White in the 1970s had to stand up to uh, the Scottish football authorities as well. And then the third time it happened was when we had to, player football at Hamden in 94-95 and in the contract there would be no flying of any foreign flag. That was the wording that Fergus McCann was given and there was nothing he could do about it so we couldn't fly the Irish tricolour for that particular season. We did speak about that season with Pierre uh, and John Collins last night. By the way, John Collins looks like he could still play and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I've not been on a treadmill in about four months and he's a, a good 10 years older than me. He looks fantastic. So does Big Pierre, by the way. Um, yeah, we will talk about the football, and I'm going to be bringing in the comments for, against, or otherwise as we get through this. I was reading this morning, John, um, about Stephen Welsh. Stephen Welsh is back in training, and it got me thinking, right, you know, prior to tonight's game as well, uh, we're now in a scenario, and I always include Awata in this, but in a scenario now where we've got eight centre-halves, and I want to know both your your thoughts on this. How many do we need to run with in the first team? And if it's four, give me your four. If it's five, give me your five. What do you think? We've got Carter Vickers, Welsh, Scales, Lagerbjelk, Phillips, Novroski, Kobayashi, Awata. How many do we need, John? Who goes? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. Well, I wouldn't include Awata in that list, to be fair. Uh, but I would say, under normal circumstances, if you had five, uh, that's usually one too many. Uh, and certainly, I think um, the CCV and scales hold the whip hand at the moment. Uh, then you've got Navroski. Um I would include Stephen Welsh because we don't know enough about the other guys. Um, and Lagerbjelk yeah, has obviously been brought in, but he um, it seems to be out of favour, mainly because he he lacks speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, who, I mean, who wants to be a fifth choice? Know. You know, the centre half. Um, 
you, you, you'll struggle to get a game well, unless you're playing for Celtic, obviously, when when, when the sixth-choice centre-half pitches up and starts playing the Champions League games. Um, but, uh, you know, in a normal season where things aren't quite as ludicrously cartoonish as they have been this season, um, then you'd be very, very lucky to get a game. I, I You know... I mean, we have some decent options there, but they are decent fallback options. Certainly at the moment, uh, Scales holds his position. Um, I, I, in fact, Scales has been superb. Uh, you know, if anything, he's been the top performer for me, um, mm. which is just incredible to see, uh, you know, from, from, I think it was from the Feyenoord game, really, where he realised he could perform at the top level. And it's just um, amazing the difference. You know, as I said before, we, we talk about players gaining confidence, but it's sort of a cliche, you know, will they do better with a few games and all the rest of it? He's just taken off. He has soared. Unbelievable. And you think that, when you think about it, all that uh, ability was already there. Yes. Which is which is incredible to think about. Um, and that's, that's the thing that, that's why there are so many great football players who never make it, you know, because it's either an attitude thing, a timing thing. Um, uh, it's just uh, unlucky. Uh, and you think about the... I mean, Scales could have been out the door maybe down the road and uh, never to be heard from again, probably have a mediocre career somewhere. And here he is rocking it against Champions League teams and looking the business. So mm-hmm. anyway, that aside, uh, we've already done enough praising of Scales. Great to see CCV back. Uh, and I definitely think the the next two for me would be uh, Navroski and um, uh, Welsh. Our fifth choice, I don't know, live would be out probably. Um, who else have we got? Did you say? Because that's only five. We've got. You remember, remember a, a guy called Kobayashi. <laughs> We've got Kobayashi still in the building. Uh, oh yeah, never sorry, I forgot. I genuinely, I genuinely, I had forgotten yeah. about him by the time you mentioned his name. To the time that I just nicely tried to repeat it. That's how memorable he's been. Uh, yeah, no, so he's a goner, uh, and uh, I, I would say I wouldn't include a rata in that anyway. I would want to see a rata playing in the midfield. Yeah, Awata's in there almost as the uh, token um, beat-on figure. Uh, whenever you need a centre-half, Awata will be there. So it never counted out because we might have to call on him at some point. Eighth choice, Awata plays against Feyenoord in the Champions League. Who'd have thought it? Um, <laughs> and, and and Patrick, I mean, I'm looking at it and it's actually it's quite a difficult one because you, you look at Carter Vickers, you think, right, you know, in terms of the eight players, he's the best. We know that. He's been an absolute rock. Who's playing the best skills? And, you know, the way that he's come back from being a, a, a kind of forgotten man has been sensational this season. Welsh has just signed a new contract. Lagerbelt and Novroski have just signed. So that puts him in, into the kind of picture, especially Novroski because of his transfer fee. Phillips, you look at him, you think, OK, it'll be easy enough to, to shift him back to Liverpool in January. Kobayashi hasn't happened for him. Awata is, is a kind of like yeah, versatile player who could slot in if you just wanted to keep four from the other seven. So what's your thoughts on it? Do we keep four? And if so, who are they? It would be much easier if it was if it was a five or keeping to keep four. Um, you've got a choice in your hands because as you say, to get rid of Carter Vickers, I don't think you'd want to get rid of Carter Vickers. Um, Narovsky and Lagerbielka. Um, it's hard to judge Narovsky. I mean, he's obviously signed for a big fee and uh, he's only played two games. Um, but, you know, people seem to rate him quite highly. Um, so you can't really get rid of him. Lagerbielka, 
came in, made a few mistakes and seems to have been bombed. Um, you know, he's yeah. nowhere near the squad. I don't know if there's like maybe an injury we don't know about, but he seems to be nowhere near the team. Um, Scales, as you say, is playing really well and, you know, Welsh, you know, I, I hate mentioning it when it comes to picking players, but he, he's part of the sort of eight-player Scottish quota for UEFA competitions, isn't he? So you need to keep yeah. him. And then obviously Scales is playing really well. So I think you're, you're probably going to keep all five this season. As you say, Kobayashi, I think that's maybe a and had a good chase situation. He's just it's not going to happen from at Celtic. Um, you know, he, he came in, he thought he played okay against Kilmarnock. Disaster at Hearts, disaster at Ibrox, just hasn't seen the team since. Um Awata, midfield player. Um I thought he was like I think he's a good midfield player. Um, I don't think he's a good defender. Um and as you say, I Nat Phillips, I think he'll be he'll be going back to Liverpool in January, no problem. I think he was brought in for one game and he was unfit for that game. So it sort of sums it all up really. Um our eighth choice centre half wasn't even fit. Can, can, can um, I just can I just say as well, by the way, it just shows you how lucky some people are to come up through a certain system, born in a certain you know, in a certain country, all the rest of it. You look at Phillips there, decent player, decent player. I mean, would we double the wages of our best players to play him? And God knows what the transfer fee would have been. I mean, the margins there, you know, are small enough to be infinitesimal. You know, what justifies that guy being on 70, 80, 90 grand a week? You know, and other guys being on... It just, I don't see it. And I think some people are just very lucky that they come up through certain systems. No, you're right. I mean, John, I always hark back to other examples from, from the past. Jackie McNamara. Jackie McNamara captained Martin O'Neill's final game in charge at Celtic. It was the Scottish Cup final, 2005 against Dundee United. Who scored the goal? Thompson. It was Alan Thompson, wasn't it? Yeah. Always get messed up because Chris Sutton missed a penalty. And I sometimes think it was Sutton. It was, it was Alan Thompson that scored the goal. Now, he was a captain of the club and he was in the bottom third in terms of wages. Jackie McNamara. He was 29 years of age, right? Captain of the club. The season before that, he had won, I think it was a PFA Player of the Year award. Um, and he didn't get a new con. He was offered a 12-month deal. Um, and he was in the bottom third of earners at Celtic Football Club. So when you look at that, John, you're right. It, it really is. I mean, if you compare uh, Phillips's wages to, let's say, uh, the wages of Scales, Welsh, probably Kobayashi, and Lager Belt com- combined. <laughs> you know, you're probably yeah. going to get the, the weekly wage of, of Nat Phillips. How I would play it is, I do agree, Awata is definitely a better midfield player. He's, he's very good in that, you know, if push comes to shove and we have another crisis, he's there. Kobayashi, I'm more concerned about that group of players that came in and around about that season who haven't done it for us. So, yes, I think it's time for him to go. Uh, Novroski, he's going to be part of the discussion because he's new. Phillips has to go back to Liverpool in January unless a few of them get crocked again. And then it gets interesting because Scales is definitely in there. He's in the top two at the moment with, with CCV. And I would I would loan out one of the others. I would loan out Welsh or Lagerbjelk. Lagerbjelk's issue, I think, John, you're right, it's pace. He's not going to get any faster. So you've got to make a decision. Um, can he go out and, and start to get games and with experience be able to um, improve his anticipation and positional play, his awareness, who knows? Welsh, he's never played enough games in the last two and a bit seasons now. So you keep one at the club, you put the other one out on loan and get them game time. That's the way that I would 
I would kind of play that one as well. But you're talking about luck and, and just uh, sliding those moments and all that, John. Having uh, John Collins, having a, an audience with John Collins last night, um, I was talking to a pal of mine this morning and he was asking, how was it? And I said, there's a persona on the TV, John Collins, isn't there? And and people, you know, create a, an image of the type of person they might be. And it's quite unfair, but it, that, that's what we do. Um, and, and, I, and I thought it was the complete opposite. I always had an idea of him being quite an arrogant guy, maybe, and all that kind of stuff. Brand new, really good fun, funny lad. Um, couldn't do enough for everybody who wanted selfies, autographs, the whole thing. But I was talking to him about two players. And I said to John that when he was at Celtic as Ronnie Dyler's right-hand man, we introduced some new talent to the to the team. Talk us through it. Kieran Tierney and, and Callum McGregor were the two guys. And he said that McGregor at that point, the, the biggest thing he loved to see about McGregor was back then if you had a, a con, if you had a conversation with him, he was so shy and kind of within himself, he would blush and all that. You know, he, and now he's the captain of the club leading us to trebles. He says, to do that in eight years, to be that wee shy lad who, you know, on a one-to-one would get quite embarrassed, to be being the guy who's winning the treble for Celtic as a captain, he says, was just, it's, and it's all down to him, his hard work, his application. He was always, a, he always had the talent, he always had the tools, but it was all about timing, getting him in the team. And Tierney as well, um, according to John, the, the very first time, him and, because um, I know I've heard the story about training, calling him over and everything else, but he said the first time he saw him playing a game of football, whatever level it was he was playing in the youth team, him and Ronnie both agreed this boy has to start training for the first team. So you, you're always learning uh, when you're talking to these these ex-pros, and I love a wee bit of that. What do you think in the comments section? If you could pick four from the eight that are listed, who are the four? Quite a tough one. Um, and we're going to talk about tonight's game then. Um, and obviously, we'll use the last couple of games uh, as part of that discussion, John. Um, who do you think has talked their way in or out of the discussion for the starting 11 tonight based on the performance at Easter Road? Well, I mean, it's a bipolar couple of performances, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really, that first half against Atletico was as good as anything I've seen us do, possibly ever. Um, and clearly, the thing about it is, you know, you're saying at the time, these guys are playing at the absolute maximum of what they can do. Uh, it's the top of their skill range, it's the top of their physical range. They can probably do no better or very, you know, do only marginally better. Um, and that was borne out then in the, the Hibs game, which was absolutely dire. Uh, and I'm sitting taking notes. And I think by half time, I had maybe written three things. Uh, it, it, it was shocking. Usually, I had pages and pages of notes. It, it was one of the most tedious games, and it really harked back to the, the bad old Rogers days. Um, because the one thing I think here, and this is this is where Ange had an edge, because Roger's style will do, in my view, do much better in the Champions League. Much better. Uh, we're far more solid. Uh, I, I think we'll get much better results than Ange would have got us. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ange, uh, that the way that Ange played, I mean, we never really had to worry about the wee teams. Um, and uh, uh, and as Liam says before, he puts a bit into everybody. Uh, no disrespect, but the, you know the smaller teams in the 
in the uh, in the league, and we never really had to worry about them because we just overwhelmed them. Uh, and uh, but you know, Brendan sometimes isn't even using all his subs. Um, never mind overwhelming anyone. And we we have a real problem with um, quality and depth. I don't think there's any doubt about that now. And uh, uh, you know, when, when it's also you know the, the impact that that Atletico game had on the players, you have to wonder about who gave the who gave the get you know who gave the say so to to play the same team again. Surely they must have been shattered because it, it absolutely liked it. Looked at right from the start, they were all mm-hmm. they were all off it by miles. They were off it. Uh, and they produced very little uh, attacking threat. Uh, they produced very little by way of intent, by way of energy, uh, by way of purpose. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it appears to me quite clear that was a wrong decision to start with that team. Now, the issue is that's because he really doesn't trust what's on the bench. And if we'd started with some of those players that were on the bench, the uproar would have been absolutely huge. But at least I like some Aki Johnson came on with, with some energy. Uh, and James Forrest brought some energy because they might not have brought quality, but you know they brought energy. They, they had a, at least they had us going forward uh, with purpose. So you know, is that the quality that you want? No, but you know we don't have the quality available as it stands. I have moaned about it, you know, endlessly, but it's not there, so that's fine for the moment. We can do nothing about it, right? So. If we don't have the quality, we at least need to have the energy. So I think it was a mistake to play the same team again. Uh, but I can understand why the manager came to that conclusion because when you're looking at that bench, you are not thinking, you know, I mean, he's got to be aware as well of what the fans will think, you know, because if he picks a team that has some of those guys starting, it's, it's going to be really controversial. You know, if you're, if you're starting Mikey Johnson, that's going to be really controversial. But then to bring him on, the boy's not kicked a ball and for us and I, I don't know how long to bring him on as months. a potential saviour. Here, yeah. here, there you go, Mikey, win the game for us, son, would you? That's a wee bit unfair, isn't it? You know, you know a... when you mentioned him, I just had, a, a, honestly, I had a wee image in my mind of that team list that you get on the social media and there's Mikey Johnson standing with his arms crossed because he's in the start of loving, John, so thanks for that. Uh, for tonight, St Mirren, <laughs> starting to love and there's Mikey, boy. Um, I really want to hear your thoughts on everything we've discussed. Yes, the Green Brigade is continuing to divide opinion. I think that's healthy um, and we'll bring up as many as we possibly can before the end of the show. But we're also talking about the game tonight. Which centre-half do you keep from the eight listed? I've thrown Awata in as part of that argument. Um, and who has done enough to get uh, into the start 11 for this evening? I agree well, with Sorry, here's here's the one question, really, isn't it? Now the the the, the big burning question is who is going to be the permanent replacement for Hatati, mm-hmm. basically for the next four months? You yeah. know that, that's so long. So I mean, who's that going to be? Because that's no it's, that's no longer a peripheral thing now. That is, you know, that's a key player we need to uh, to bring in there. I think it's a great it's a great d- debate to have because um, up until uh, after the the game at Easter Road, I wasn't aware that. Uh, Odin Holm had been injured. It never really been uh, mentioned, I don't think, until Brennan Rogers gave a rundown of all the injury woes um, because he seemed to disappear a wee bit like Lagerbjelk. So I take uh, Paddy's point from earlier. We're not that, quite that's sure also, that, that's also a bit weird because mm-hmm. he gives an injury update every week and Odin Holm wasn't mentioned. He wasn't. And then all, all of a sudden, Odin Holm's back. Yeah. Was he? Where was he? You know, it's. Uh, 
You know, thanks very much for that. Uh, yeah. Because he never mentioned it, which is is very weird. Exactly, John. I mean, these guys are spending all that time on Instagram. They're not telling us that they're injured. Come on, mate. <laughs> Up your game. Up your game, Odin. Um, Ridiculizer. It's not about the Green Brigade. It's about your masters telling you what you can and can't say or do in life and whether you're going to be a slave and accept it or not, says Ridiculizer. Um, Joe Brown, and you come. Uh, Green Brigade are paying customers. They're entitled, they're, they've entered a financial contract with Celtic FC. You can't pick and choose. So I think what you're saying, Joe, is there's a set of rules and guidelines they must adhere to. Um, Pludge McNugget, the Green Brigade, getting banned was inevitable. The fact that they defied the board last week with the flag display, I don't agree with. I don't agree with it, rather, but they were warned. Yeah, and it's, it's important to, to point out again the six points, two of which were um, displays, the rest of them was different type of behaviour, including uh, pyro and um, gaining access illegally. That's an interesting word, illegally. They've they've gained access to the stadium um, to do that. So, yes, the timing of it seems a bit off, as Patrick and John have both said. Um, and we have Paul coming in as well. Paul Andrew Martin, Celtic should be vocal on the plight of the Palestinian people. I think they've made it clear that they're not going to be. Um, specifically, obviously, there are generalised comments that are made by big organisations in relation to, uh, obviously, the plight of any civilian in any conflict, inverted commas, but I don't think they're going to comment specifically uh, on that viewpoint. The Urban Kulshe, the Celtic supporters are the club. I agree with that. And I said last night, actually, that um, we were in a... We were in the... Um, presence of about 230 to 250 of them last night in a small bar in Glasgow. And all this kind of chat that we're having right now, none of that was on display. There was just a great atmosphere, Patrick. There was just, everybody was there for a bit of chat. They wanted to know the truth behind Pierre Van Hoydonk's comments about the homeless. They wanted to know the truth about the bust up between George Cadet and Fergus McCann that resulted in Cadet leaving after just one full season. I was going to discuss it today, but you know what? We actually asked the guys that in the sit-down interview, which is going to be on the channel in the next few days. Uh, so I don't want to waste the punchlines. I want you to tune in and watch the interview, right? So John Collins comes in a wee bit late um, into the into the mix, but it's a really enjoyable interview. Myself and Jerry uh, did that. Pedro, can supporting Celtic go back to just being that rather than having to make a political statement? Either way, I didn't bring a Ukraine flag nor a Palestine flag as I go to support the team. I think there's a lot of people, Pedro, there's a lot of people thinking the same way. Um, but I think also the flip of that that Patrick mentioned is that Celtic and politics go hand in hand. It's always going to be part of a discussion. Whether or not you join the discussion is entirely up to yourself as well. Just one, one thing on that, Paul. I mean, the thing about it is, uh, you know, you can either have no politics, uh, which is impossible to enforce, right? Because at some clubs at some time, some social thing's going to happen, which is going to mean more to their, uh, their supporters than actual football. So it's impossible to keep politics out of football because... Politics is a, an integral part of life, as is football for most people. And the two things will always intermesh. The only other way to do it is you have selective politics. So, And that's what we've had here. We've had selective politics. 
with the choosing of Ukraine as an appropriate, um, you know, uh, cause which we are allowed to get behind, um, and that's fine, Dandy, but this other cause isn't. So that's massive hypocrisy. Yes. So you either you either don't do it or you do it all. The board back the Ukraine thing. Uh, UEFA back to Ukraine thing, all the rest of it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying you cannot then say you cannot do this other thing, right? And under that guise, in my view, which is what's happened here, under that guise, appropriate for Halloween, um, they they have uh, they have banned uh, the Green Brigade um, for uh, for a display which they didn't approve of. Um, so you cannot get rid of politics and football, no matter who you are or how much you want it to be. You don't need to engage with it, but you're never going to get rid of it. Where great crowds of people gather, uh, feelings will be vented on issues which are important to those people, and that does not always just uh, revolve around football. You're spot on. I, I think there needs to be an acceptance that it exists. Whether or not you want to partake in it is entirely your choice. Whilst it exists, on a Celtic state of mind, we talk about everything Celtic-related, to uh, the choice of footwear that Brendan Rodgers opted for at the St Rocks game, right down to the new kit, right down to how gorgeous Matt O'Reilly is. We talk about the whole lot. <laughs> Somebody came up to me last night and said, what have you got against uh, Aerosmith? Anyway, <laughs> it will rage on. Um, D-Chan87, thank you for supporting the channel. Some Jewish fans, says D-Chan, were uncomfortable with the 710 banner, so the, the banner on the, the 7th of the month. And the club had to act. The banner was in bad taste. The board could have handled it better, though. And by the way, I think that's a good point. It's something John has said that, you know, there's a way to deal with these situations. And I think dialogue is key. They have stated um, that the serious, they reckon there's been a serious escalation in the last few weeks in these unacceptable behaviours and non-compliance. And they have also stated that there's a safety advisory group, which is part of Glasgow City Council, and they require a report after every home game. So obviously a lot of the stuff that's happening at Celtic Parks in these reports and the club are having to report that to Glasgow City Council. Uh, more support coming in from Mr Celtic 12 who says, need to stop the mindset of let's just focus on the football. I think John's just said that Celtic is built on helping others. This is bigger than football. We must back the Green Brigade. I knew this was going to swing from one side of the debate to the next, Patrick, but I think that's what for me, is, is healthy communication and dialogue. And that's not what the club and the Green Brigade are doing. John has stated it's the only way to move forward on this. We're asking where do we go from here. Do you think it's going to happen? Is there going to be a consultation between the two groups, the club and the Green Brigade? I think there has to be. I, I don't know. I don't know You know where we end up. It's hard to predict the future, but I don't think the Green Brigade are going to be permanently banned or split up or whatever, you know... It, they're going to be back in the standing section at some point this season. I think that's pretty agreeable. They're also not going to um, ditch their support of uh, Palestine. I think that's pretty sa a safe bet as well. So what what follows from here, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, I can can maybe see a scenario where they're not let into the final home game and therefore we avoid any sort of UEFA fines or some or any sort of bad publicity. Um, you know, it. 
it is quite hard to predict. Um, I think, you know, these behaviours that they mentioned in the statement and the safety reports, I think that obviously has to change and I think there has to be a dialogue and maybe an identification of who these people are, because it can't be all 300. You know, um, it, there's not 300 people abusing stewards and uh, causing violence at grounds and breaking into stadiums and invading pitches. Um, so I think you need to you need to get rid of the individuals who are causing these uh, these these sort of issues. Um, in terms of the politics, I mean, as John says, it's where you it's where you want to draw a line. Um, you know, we all have our own politics. I, I I struggle to believe there's anyone out there who doesn't hold a political view. Fair enough if you'd like to take flags to a game. I've never actually taken a flag to a game. I hold these views. I support the cause of, you know, the Green Brigade in Palestine. I've never taken a flag to a game. But, you know, where do you draw the line? I mean, you have um, guys on the board who are former Labour politicians. You have guys on the board who donate to the Conservative Party, former board members who are in the Conservative Party. You have guys like, um, you know, Willie Hoare, he's a, a Labour peer. You've had guys like uh, Tommy Sheridan, high-profile characters within Celtic Park. So, you know, even the charity work, I think, is inherently political, in my opinion. Um, so I don't think you can separate politics from football. Um, I think, as as we're all agreeing, I think there needs to be a communication. And I think, um, you know, they need to come to some sort of an agreement on behaviours and what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. Um, and hopefully they can be let back in sooner rather than later. But the, yeah. the club, the club take a political opposition every year around uh, the Poppy Day and the Remembrance Day. You know that's a political decision. That's a you great know. point, John. Great point. So you know that, that's just because you know it's going to pee off uh, an awful lot of the uh, the fans. But in terms of you know fan behaviour and controversy and all the rest of it. I, you know, we're a wee bit fragile nowadays. I'm old enough to remember um, thousands of lads battering lumps at each other and invading pitches. Um, you know, uh, and uh, I don't remember them all getting banned. Um, I'm also old enough to remember what things were like when the troubles were actually on. Uh, and you're talking about controversial things now and controversial banners. Well, it was all controversial then because it was happening in real time. Uh, and support for uh, support for the IRA uh, or anyone like that was uh, was very controversial because people were dying uh, and saying, uh, opposing the British Army uh, controversial because again you know there was people who were Celtic fans probably who were in the British Army mm-hmm. um, so yeah all of this has always been controversial um, and if you want to go back through every stage of it then you know I, I think this is. What what's become uh, what's happened now is the corporate board of the PLC are far more sensitive to the the the, the reality of the corporate pressures and sponsorships and all the rest of it, and they just don't want involved. Uh, they don't want us to be more than a club unless more than a club means uh, doing something PR wise. It's PR friendly. That's what more than a club means. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do something nice and cuddly. Uh, there won't be, won't be any bother to anyone. Uh, that's what it means to them. It's not what it means to me, uh, and it's not what it means to a lot of people. Uh, well, John, you're right, and we spoke about a political edge. But what is that? Well, that's not doing what the mainstream uh, narrative tells you to do. You, you know, you don't follow it like sheep. You've got an edge. Yet you've got your own mind. Um, and you're able to then differentiate between what's happening in the mainstream media and what the reality of that is. And I think. The, the Celtic board, you're right, they are so focused on protecting the brand 
That's what it comes down to. They're so focused on protecting this brand. Um, now, Mark, Patrick, you may have missed a wee bit earlier, uh, clarifying. What's actually happened is, again, I didn't realise this, but if you're registered at the ticket offices, part of the Green Brigade, um, which I don't know, is it registered as a CSC perhaps uh, on the computer system? They know that you're a member of the Green Brigade. It's these members who will not be in that particular section this evening. Um, and I think, did you say 300 members, Patrick? Is that right? Is that how many members they've got at the moment? Uh, I'm not even sure the official number, but I've always guessed it's roughly a couple of hundred. Um, mm -hmm. It certainly looks that way, you know, in the standing section. I would, I would guess three hundred. I mean, yeah. So it's not a, a total closure of that section. It's, it's the actual group itself that have been banned. Sean Stout would go for Carter Vickers, Scales, Navrosky, Welsh, and Lagerbjelk. Um Yeah, you know, I don't disagree with that, but I think one of the the, the last two uh, Welsh and Lagerbjelk should be. For me, they should be loaned out, um, if you ask me. Ridiculizer, again, I don't think you can argue with this at the moment. Scales has been more consistent than Carter Vickers' first pick. Carter Vickers' last couple of games, he's not been at his best, but you know because he's got some goodwill in the tank, we can overlook that. We know the quality that he has, but yeah, I do agree with you on that one. Uh, brilliant to see it as well, uh, Brian. Fantastic night last night. It was incredible. There was a brilliant vibe, right, in uh, Don Max. And then afterwards, because people say, oh, you can't put a, an event on on a Tuesday night. Nobody will go. There wasn't a ticket to be had. There was standing room only. And even that was tight. And then we left the bar on this Tuesday night. And I'm not kidding, right? There was a queue from the garage halfway down Socky Hall Street. And they were like four deep. And they were all dressed up for Halloween. It was the most surreal thing. I'd seen no zombies. I saw, I saw no zombies. It was the most surreal thing I had seen in a long time. Having walked out Don Max, I was like, you sure it was Diet Coke I was drinking there? So, yeah, a brilliant night. Thanks, everybody, for your support. Whenever we do an evening like that, there is the experience aspect. It's not just about trying to chase a, a, a dollar or whatever and get people to give you cash. It's not always about that because to pull these things together, to fly Pierre in from the Netherlands, to fly George in from the Portugal uh, from Lisbon, rather. Yeah, these things take a lot of time and effort uh, to pull together. And Sorry, what you get I... from it is the experience, which was phenomenal. But just say one thing, Paul John. I, I, I honestly, I almost cried uh, because when you grow old, you don't really see it in yourself as much. But when I saw that picture of George Cadet, honestly, God, near broke my heart. Uh, you know, because he just looks like an old man like me. Yeah, and that's just not the way. That's not the image I have of him in my head, you know. I know it's like you imagine meeting Brian May and he had a crew cut, or Jimmy Page, <laughs> or somebody that's a wee bit cooler. Jimmy Page, you meet him and he's got. A, you'd be like, that's not Jimmy Page. Go and put a wig on or something. No, <laughs> what a lovely fella. I've got to say, we do have an interview that we're working on at the moment. We're editing it, um, and we'll have that on the channel very soon. And that gives you a, an inkling um, into what the guys were saying. A lot of people have said, why aren't you streaming these gigs live? There's, there is a reason for it. When they come along and do the, the live audience with, um, they want to be open and honest and they tell you things they don't want on tape. It's as simple as that. And one of the first things we say when we go out on the stage is no recording. Keep the phones. You can get your photos and all that stuff. No recording because they might say something, you know what, that would potentially get them into trouble. I've got to throw Pierre under the bus. So um, he, tell, he told me before we went on, he said to me, he goes, ask me about the preparation for the Scottish Cup final, 1995, right? And I was like, right, no problem, I'll do that. 
So on the Q&A bit at the end where people tweet their questions and write them down and all that, that's where you get a lot of the funny stories, right? And so I asked them in that section, and apparently they went to Italy, right, to pre- prepare for the game. And Pierre's a relatively new player, come from the continent. He's an international at this point with the Netherlands, and he's thinking, that's great. He's going to go and we're going to prepare and all the rest of it. Basically, it was a jolly, right, and all the guys had their golf clubs and all the rest of it. So they go for a bevy. Um, they go for a bevy to prepare for the Scottish Cup final um, and the chance to put that six years behind us. And a couple of the guys end up getting reeking and start fighting. Oh. Who do you think it was? Who do you think it was from the 1995 squad? Anybody who was there could answer in the comment section. Two of the players were toe-to-toe boxing. There you go. I was quite surprised. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal it. Someone else will reveal it in the comment section. <laughs> but we went out there and we won the game. And uh, that was the first trophy in six years. It was a great man. I keep bringing it up. The great man, Tommy Burns, there he is, the Carlton boy. So thank you all for getting involved. We really appreciate your support. We're able to raise more and more money uh, as we go for we, Jamie Tierney. Thanks, everybody, for that. And thank you to Patrick McGulp and John Hughes for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.